Well, we're starting a new series this morning. As you can see, it's going to be about prayer. I don't know if you've ever prayed for your favorite team to win uh, a game. Um, probably somebody else is praying for the other team, just to let you know. <laughs> um, today's topic is not like that. Now, Jesus was going about his ministry, and one day his disciples saw him praying. And they got this idea that, hey, this Jesus is praying is a little bit different than the way we pray. Uh, he gets results we don't get. Maybe we ought to ask him how to do it. And we don't have any recorded anywhere in the gospel where they ask him how to do anything else. I'm a preacher, teacher. There's nowhere that the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to teach. Uh, but they do ask this question, and we can find it in Luke chapter 11. And then we're going to look at Jesus' response, actually in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. So, Luke chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, he did this often. The disciples evidently were hearing, or at least watching. As he finished, one of the disciples came up to him and said, <clears throat> Lord, Teach us to pray. And they had a precedent. They saw John evidently was teaching his disciples to pray. So evidently, there was something different. Evidently, they didn't know something to do or they were doing something wrong. And so consequently, when we ask somebody to teach us, it's either because of ignorance or we're doing something wrong. Now, they were brought up in, in the Jewish faith and they would have been, there have been lots of prayers, Old Testament included, that they would pray over and over again, and uh, it was kind of a ritual, and this was the way they would be been taught or learned to pray. <clears throat> now, um, nobody I can remember anyway has ever asked me how they should pray. And in fact, if I had said, if I say to you, hey, I, I heard you pray, you're not doing it very good. Uh, I don't think you're doing it right. Uh, how would you feel? You'd feel offended, right? How dare I tell you how to pray? But the disciples ask. Evidently, what they were doing wasn't working as well as they would want. <clears throat> so Jesus might have been thinking, well, it's about time you ask me. I don't know. <laughs> I asked my small group on Thursday, they asked what I was going to talk about, and I, I asked them the question, how, what percentage of your prayers do you think it answered the way you would like? I said, most of them. And one of the members of the, of the group said, it sure doesn't feel like that. And I think many of us would probably say, I don't, it doesn't feel like most of my prayers are answered the way I would like. Now, we say all prayers are answered because no is an answer. But why aren't most of them answered the way we want? So, I got to think about, especially, you know, I, uh, God find me a parking space. We find a parking space. We say, thank you, God. Well, is that God or was the parking space? I, I don't know. So, I got to think about this category we call miracles. Where, you know, the doctor says this person's going to die and you pray for them and they live. How many of those prayers do we even pray, much less get answered. So when we talk about prayer, lots of questions come up, at least for me. And so here's a list of them. Why pray? 
Uh, when should I pray? Uh, none of us pray all the time, but there's a Bible verse that says, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Where should I pray? Does it matter where I pray? How I pray? Even to whom should I pray? Evidently, their prayer was different than Jesus' prayer. So they ask. Wouldn't it be nice if we had Jesus here and say, Jesus, you know, how should I pray or how should I teach or how should I do anything? How should I be a, uh, a good parent or whatever it might be? So first, Jesus tells them what not to do, which implies that evidently this is what they were doing, or some people at least were doing. And so, again, this is Sermon on the Mount. We're going to pick it up in chapter 6, kind of right in the middle of the sermon, uh, verse 5. So he said, assuming they pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, all right? Don't, here's a do not. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Now, we talked about the Pharisees. They used to stand on the, on the uh, they're the real religious people, the people that got paid to be good. Their job 24-7 was to be good. And they would pray on the street corner, and they'd pray loud enough so everybody could hear them and see them. And Jesus said, don't do that. That's hypocritical. Of course, he knew their hearts. He knew their reason why they were doing that. And he said, the reason we're doing that is because they wanted to be, the truth is, they'll get all the reward they'll ever get. And the reward was that the people saw them and say, hey, you're a great prayer, or whatever it might be. <clears throat> Another problem with these folks is they thought they were better than the other folks, they weren't standing on street corners. Now, in a synagogue or in a church, we expect people to pray. I just prayed, right? But if that's the only reason I'm praying is, hey, pastor, you had a great prayer, then that's all the reward I can expect from that prayer. Now, <clears throat> when I think about prayers that don't get answered, the two biggest reasons I hear are these two. First one is this. You don't have enough faith. If you just had enough faith, your prayer would be answered like you want. Well, is that true? I mean, it really upset my wife. People would come and see our daughter-in-law, Erin, who was dying of cancer, and they would say, if she had enough faith or you had enough faith, she'd be healed, and she died. So what an insult to all of us that were praying for her that we didn't have enough faith. And then, of course, the, other, the flip side of this is why we don't get our prayers in. Well, there's sin in your life. You know, you, you know if, you, if you fix this, if you get rid of that bad sin or that bad habit, then God will answer the prayers you way you want. But until you do that, God's not going to answer the prayer. Well, that's not true either. What we're trying to do is figure out the formula. If I get, just have enough faith, if I can just get enough faith, or if I can get rid of this in my life, I can get God to do what I want. I can manipulate God. Is that what prayer is? There's lots of people out there that don't even pray and their lives seem to be fine. <clears throat> so, is God even real? Doesn't answer my prayers like I want. So we got all these questions, when, where, how, etc. So he goes on. He says, don't be like them. So what should you do? Well, not on the street corners. Everybody admire you. 
When you pray, go away by yourself. In fact, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Nobody hears you. Then, your father, who sees everything, omnipotent, right? All present, will reward you. Now, I don't know about you, I pray lots of different places. I pray in my car, I pray when I'm running, you know, I pray in my, in my study. Um, so I pray lots of different places. Does that mean we can't do those other things? I pray in public? No, 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 that's not what he's saying. So what is he saying? Well, to really pray the way I think you should pray, or I know you can pray, is you need to not be distracted. All right? You need to focus. You need to shift your focus. Now, most of us, our lives are so busy and so much is going on and our minds are racing. And he says, oh, okay, okay. You need to calm down, not be distracted, outwardly or inwardly. Now, one thing I do, one technique I have is when I'm praying, all this stuff pops in my head. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. Have a paper and pencil. Stop praying. That's fine. Write that down. I don't have to think about it. I won't forget it. I've written it down. So important to not be distracted. Now, what's the reward of this? Well, what about if the reward is that God sees you and God hears you? What bigger or greater reward would we want? If I'm praying this way, when I'm praying this way, God hears me. God sees me. You say God hears all prayers. Maybe, maybe not. So what if this was true? I asked this question at first. Service, and that's kind of a dumb question. What if Jesus says it's true? <laughs> but what if this is true? What would our reward be? I said, what, what greater reward would there be than to get God's unvited attention? That would be Quite a reward, don't you think? Next slide, please. So, don't pray, you know, just to be seen by people. Get someplace where you can be not distracted and you can focus. This prayer is pretty important. I thought about it this way. Um, <laughs> talk about prayer being communication. I watch TV sometimes and my wife, it's in the basement, my wife will come down and she, I, I hear her on the steps. You know what I do? I pause it. As soon as I know she's coming. I don't want to be distracted from what she has to say. In fact, sometimes she'll start talking before I know she's coming. And I'll say, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Got to talk, pause the TV so I can give her my undivided attention. Well, how much more important is it that we give God our undivided attention? So, he said, Okay. Another thing you shouldn't do. Uh, next verse, verse 7. <clears throat> when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do, or non-Jewish people. All right? uh, a lot of religions in that time frame, that was a common way for them to, to pray in the first century. They think, the people that do this, go on and on and on, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words Again and again. All right? If I just say it enough times, again, I can get God to do what I want. 
him to do. Well, Jesus said, no, God is not impressed by saying, for you and I saying the same thing over and over again. Right? He's just not impressed. In fact, the words aren't, the specific words aren't that important. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. We don't even know the words sometime to pray. And the Holy Spirit will help us pray. So it reminded me of a parable Jesus told about prayer. It's one of my favorites because it's just so insightful into your nature and my nature. These two guys went to the synagogue to pray. This is in Luke chapter, what chapter is it? Uh, 18. Two men went to the temple to pray, went to church. One was a Pharisee, one of those people that get paid to be good. And the other was a despised tax collector. Now, it's hard for us to comprehend this, but tax collectors were at the bottom rung of society. I was trying to think, maybe we have child molesters down there, maybe uh, drug dealers. I don't know who's at the bottom of our, our, our list, sex traffickers. I don't know. But in their culture, in their society, in their day, time frame, tax collectors would be down there, okay? So we got this goody-goody and this really sinful person. Both came to the synagogue or the temple to, to, to pray. And I, didn't, I didn't put the, the Pharisees' prayer down there, but the Pharisees said, thank you, God, which is a good thing to say, right? But why was he thanking God? He said, thank you, God, that I'm not like all these other sinners, especially like this tax collector. And besides, I pray, I, I tithe, I fast. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy, right? So then let's get to the, well, what was the prayer about? Well, the prayer was really about him, right? He said, thank you, God, but the whole prayer was about him. So then we get to the tax collector, the guy that everybody despised. But the tax collector stood at a distance, dared not even lift his eyes, beat on his chest as he prayed, uh, beat on his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, he's leaning down, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That was the prayer. Not very long, not much to it. Is that really... What God, kind of prayer God wants? Yeah. Because <laughs> Jesus asked, okay, which one was justified? Who, whose, whose sins were forgiven? Whose prayers were answered? And it was tax collectors. So I put on your outline, what you say when you pray, what you say when you pray, is not as important as if you pray, whether you're a Pharisee or a tax collector. The text goes on. He says, don't be like them. The Babylon go on and on and on. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Now, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm praying, telling God all this stuff I need, right? So is God surprised when you say, I need this or I need that? Or even I want this or I want that? Do we ever surprise God if... Most of us believe God knows everything. So that brings me to this question, then why pray? Most of my prayer is telling God stuff that I, I would like. Why pray? I added another question on your outline. What are we not understanding about this whole prayer thing? Evidently, it's not to inform God what's going on in my life because he already knows, right? <clears throat> So, as the title of this teaching goes, not like that. We don't pray like that. We don't pray just to be seen. We don't pray a bunch of words over and over again. 
So there's this tension, this question. Again, all these questions. How should I do it? What should I say? When should I say it? Where should I say it? So Jesus, they ask him to teach him how to pray, and Jesus said, okay. Pray like this. Now notice it doesn't say pray this. I don't know about you. If you want to pray the Lord's Prayer, that's fine. I don't pray the Lord's Prayer. I don't believe it says pray like this. I mean pray this. He said pray like this. This is a model or example or sample. But that's fine. Our Father in heaven. That's the way you start his prayer. So, one of the questions was, whom do I pray to? Now, I've heard people pray to Jesus. I've heard people pray to the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, higher power. People of other religions pray to other gods. Jesus said, no, no, no. Here is whom you are to pray to. Your Father in heaven. Now, this brings up the question, is God male? Fathers are male, right? Bible tells us God's a spirit. Is he going to, it says he appear male? I don't even know if that applies to spirit. Jesus was a male, of course. So what is he really teaching us? I think he's telling us, okay, it's all about an ideal. Because none of us had perfect fathers. And maybe you didn't even have a good father. But the father you wished you had, I guess. It's about the relationship of this Wonderful, perfect, heavenly, loving, heavenly Father, and you. That relationship. That's how your prayer is to start. To realize that's who you're talking to. It made me think of uh, what Peter wrote later on about uh, all this stuff that's going on in our lives, and and it's so hard for us to focus when we pray. This is in... um, First Peter chapter 5. He said, here's what you need to do. Cast all your cares. And you can do this in prayer. And we'll get to that later in the Lord's Prayer. Cast all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all. We sometimes give them to God and then take them back. He said, no, give them and leave them. Why? Because he cares about you. How? With deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. So when I say, my father, I'm thinking, with deepest affection, and watches over me very carefully. Very uh, intimate. Very close. Prayer goes on. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy or hallowed. All right? Most people don't know what that word means. So I'm saying, okay, I understand who I'm talking to. I quiet myself outwardly and inwardly. I pause and realize who I'm talking to. Even though I can have this intimate relationship to this uh, perfect heavenly Father, He is also holy. He is holy other. None of us are like Him. He's holy perfect. There's no equal to Him. We should be quiet. We should be reverent. We should honor Him. Couldn't think of good earthly examples. Uh, some of us like the president we have, some don't. So think of a president that you liked. <laughs> My favorite is Abraham Lincoln. So if I got to meet Abraham Lincoln, what attitude would I have as I met him? Folks that are Catholic, you might think about the Pope. If you had the privilege of meeting the Pope in person, just you and him, what would your attitude be? 
So I, he's saying, recenter your, yourself on the fact that, yeah, he's a, a, a loving heavenly father, but he's also holy other that's given me the privilege to be in relationship with him. I got thinking about our significance. Where does our significance come from? Put it on your outline. Our lives are significant not because of what we can get God to do for us, but because of whose image we bear. We're all made in the image of God. I don't think we think about that enough. And whose children we are. Through his son Jesus, we are adopted into his family. This holy other has adopted us into his family. So he said, that's the way you should start your prayer. That's the way you should approach God. This is really important because I believe when we skip this, and I do know we skip this, we're going to resist what comes next. If we do this, we'll be receptive to what he says next. Otherwise, we treat God kind of like a genie or a good luck charm or, or uh, uh, a vending machine. <laughs> I put in my request and it spits out what I want. So the text goes on, and most of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, I know. May your kingdom come soon. And in reality, it, it did come soon. With Jesus' resurrection, we're going to celebrate Easter in a little, pretty soon. Uh, that's when his kingdom came. Now, we're praying about his second coming, so we hope that will come soon. May your will be done on earth. Let me say that again. <laughs> this is critical. May your will be done on earth, as of course it is, in heaven. Now, when I were praying, we often say, well, what about my will? What about my life? What about my family? What about my relationship? What about my health? What about my money? What about my, my, my? No. Jesus said to pray to pray is that your kingdom, God, will come. Well, what about all that stuff I want? Or what all that stuff I need? And I think Jesus would say to us, uh, I think we covered that already, right? He already knows. So what is he saying? Well, this holy other, even though he have an intimate relationship, he must come first. Made me think of what Jesus is going to say a little bit later in the same sermon. It's in, in, in verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, or seek first the kingdom of God, and live righteously, or live right, and he, God, will give you everything you need. So what is the purpose, again, of prayer? Well, I believe it's to realign our will with God's will. The purpose of prayer, I put on your outline, is to surrender our will, not to impose it. Now, let's be honest. Often we want to get God to do what we want, Right? Impose our will on him. That's not the purpose of prayer. This prayer, the prayer that Jesus is teaching, the prayer that Jesus got answered, I'm going to ask you that question in a minute, is basically, God, I want what you want. Now, now think about this logically. If God's all-knowing, if God's all-powerful, if God's all-loving, shouldn't we want what he wants? Because <laughs> what he wants should be what's best, obviously. So, prayer is not about moving God. 
Okay, God, you're not giving me this. I want to move you where you'll give me this. <laughs> but it's about being moved by God. Okay, maybe I want this, but maybe you don't want this for me. So, okay, I'm okay with not having this. So here's my question. Did Jesus always get his prayers answered? Now we say all prayers are answered sometimes. No. But did Jesus always get his prayers answered the way he wanted? It's kind of a trick question. It's kind of a yes and no answer. What I want to focus on just for a minute is the prayer in the garden. Last day of Jesus' life. Last night of his life. And he's in the garden praying. And most of you are probably familiar with the prayer. Let's put the prayer up. <clears throat> Father, notice what he says first. If you're willing. Now sometimes we tack it on the end of our prayer. Do we put it on the front of our prayer? He says, if you're willing. Please take the cup of suffering away from me. He knew he was going to die on the cross. He was destined to die on the cross. So did that prayer get answered? Um, well, <laughs> he said, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. That got, prayer got answered, right? His desires didn't get fulfilled. His prayer got answered like he prayed, right? Was God's will done? Let me ask you a question. What hung in the balance of God answering that prayer, the way he answered it? Maybe it's better to say, who hung in the balance? You and I did, Right? Our possibility of salvation hung in the balance. If God would have answered the prayer the way Jesus desired, not wanted, but desired, we would be without salvation. So back to his prayer. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Submitting my will to your will. I think often we skip this. And when we skip this, what we're really doing is trying to manipulate God. We're trying to be consumers. We're trying to be users of God. I'm just using my relationship with you, God, to get what I want. Now, when we say it that way, we say, oh, that's not very, that's kind of ugly, isn't it? I put something else on your outline. Uh, we assume something about unanswered prayer. By unanswered, prayer is not answered the way we, would, we ask. We assume it says something about God. God doesn't like me. God doesn't care. God can't do it. Something like that. But really, it says something about our view of God. Because God's not like that, but we kind of assume or view him that way. Here's another question I put on the outline. I thought, that's kind of a dumb question, but here it is. What if Jesus was correct? What if... That's the way you're supposed to pray. What if it needs to be my will submitted to your will before we get any farther in the prayer? Now, it's kind of say, silly to say, what if Jesus was correct, right? Most of us would assume he is. So the follow-up is, what if prayer begins with recognition of who God is, with a loving, intimate Father, but also a holy other, and submitting. And I got to thinking about this a couple different ways. One, all of us got ourselves in jams, right? Made mistakes, did things we shouldn't have done, got ourselves in jams. Now, 
How many of those jams could we avoid it if we had prayed this prayer beforehand about whatever we were about to do? Uh, not, you know, evidently we wanted to do it. That's why we did it. But what if we had prayed, your will, not mine, be done, God. Is this something you want me to do? And most of the time we realize, no, it's not something we should be doing. And we could have avoided that. Now, on the other side, I thought about it this way. <clears throat> if we pray that prayer about everything, just a couple examples. Uh, what about uh, finance? We had an offering. What about finances? If we prayed about our finances, God, your will, not mine, be done. Would churches, Christian ministries be short on funds if all of us were praying, God, your will, not mine, be done with my finances? I don't think so. There'd be money to go around for this church and other ministries. Volunteers, especially since COVID, we're really short on volunteers. We got Bible school coming up in August, and we don't have enough people to teach in Bible school. If all of us, rather than saying, I'm not going to teach in Bible school, just say, okay, God, your will, not mine, be done. Should I teach in Bible school? If it's your will, I will. If not, would we have enough teachers for Bible school? <laughs> I think so. And you can plug in whatever other illustration you want. So, does prayer work? I said, if you're like me, most of my want prayers don't get answered the way I want. But does prayer work? And I'm going to say yes. Yes, when? When we start with declaring His greatness and surrendering our own will to Him. Because really what it does, it works on us, right? Jesus prayed lots of times in Scripture. We have examples. One time he prayed was for his dead friend Lazarus. Remember that story? Dead four days. And Jesus prays. Evidently it was the will of the Father to, resur we'd say, to resuscitate him. And if you look in Scripture, that prayer is what? 30 seconds long? Maybe even not 30 seconds long. That prayer got answered. In the garden, we don't know how long he prayed. I'm guessing hours. Definitely a lot longer prayer. So why was that prayer so long? Because it also got answered. Well, because it had to work on Jesus. I believe it had to work until Jesus got to the place where he truly wanted God's will over his will. Submitting and dying for you and I. So here's your take home. Here's your assignment, if you will. What's keeping you from praying that prayer that way? And I'm going to answer it for you. General answer, fear. Fear. Now, we're not supposed to fear. We should believe God's going to take care of us, but we fear. We fear, what's going to happen to me if I do that? Or what's... What am I going to miss out if I do that? Peer pressure. All ages, not just teenagers. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to like me. I'm going to be ostracized. That's an incident of somebody being bullied. What am I afraid of? Well, if I gave that amount of money to church, what happened to my finances? Uh, volunteer. I got too much other stuff to do. 
fear. Fear is the basic reason. My favorite Bible verse is in 1 John 4. It says, perfect love casts out fear. Does God love you perfectly? You need not fear. I pray we do the hard work of answering that prayer, or that uh, assignment this week. So, Lord's Prayer is going to take a couple weeks to get through, so we'll continue it next week. Hopefully you can join us. We're going to pray, and then the praise team will lead us in one last song. Father God, thank you. We thank you that, uh, that you want us to pray, and we want our answer, prayers to be answered. We thank you that you tell us how they can be. And God, help us understand these critical components we talked about before we get to, you know, my wants, my desires. Jesus, thank you for answering the disciples' requests to teach us how to pray. And we pray for anyone that's not in relationship with God, that's trying to figure this thing out. Maybe today is the day you would like to invite Jesus into your life. We're all creations of God. We're not all children of God. That comes by adoption. And Jesus only adopts us at our request. It's free. Your sins are forgiven. Your relationship with Jesus, it's free. It's grace. God loves you that much if you accept that gift. We pray that you do. And Father God, as we go through this week, and as we pray, teach us to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Your name, amen.